You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, it is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa in full holiday season mode they are. Out there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And those chocolate cocoa balls, they're all the rage. They're all the rage. You've probably seen them by now. Made a little bit of a cameo in that TikTok vid that now has surpassed 7 million views on TikTok. I mean, what in the heck is wrong with you people? You will consume anything. But uh, those chocolate cocoa balls are available to you at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 205-752-0211. The number to call to go ahead and get that holiday order in with Peter Brook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the producer of Southern Fried Sports, Mr. Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 bit of sports talk radio. How about it, Jacob? Another good weekend with the Stillers, still undefeated, the 1972 Dolphins. Getting a little more anxious by the week, Jacob. It might be January before they can bust out that that uh, that, that champagne. It, it feels good to to have a game where the Steelers perform as they're expected to, and not have to stress throughout the game against a poor opponent. Yeah, the only thing you really had to worry about last week going into that one with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. By the way, Joe looked pretty human yesterday against that Steeler yeah. defense. Really, the only thing you had to stress about was the availability of uh, the big man, Ben Roethlisberger, and that got uh, handled there late in the game week prep. And so the Pittsburgh Steelers, still the lone undefeated team in the National Football League. It was an okay weekend, you know. I'm not going to lie and tell you there wasn't a bit of a letdown not having Alabama LSU from Tiger Stadium on Saturday evening, but you know if you listen to the program, we're big golf fans, big fans of pro golf on the cable here. So we had the Masters to more than occupy our time. Uh, We'll talk some Masters as a part of our Winners and Losers Monday. We like to get into the Winners and Losers after each sports weekend. Um, Did get out on Friday night, as I talked about on Friday. I did get over to ACA. It's a nice high school football playoff game. 
you know, ACA got out to a pretty manageable lead there, but here came Mobile Christian late with Deontay Lawson, the Alabama commitment. Really wanted to check Lawson out. He's as advertised. You know, with so many of these guys that Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson, programs like that are recruiting, I mean, you go out expecting to see, in terms of measurables and skill set, an elite, an elite prospect. And so that's kind of become the given. Then you sort of check out the versatility and some things that might speak to passion for the game, um, football IQ. What I liked about Deontay Lawson on Friday night was it looked like he was pretty much the central nervous system of that Mobile Christian defense. It looked like everything was running through him there at the Mike linebacker position. He was making calls. He was making checks. Uh, and, again, you expect a guy like that to be a central figure in just about every aspect of the football game. And that was the case with Deontay Lawson. Uh, had a touchdown run. Had a touchdown catch, even threw a deep ball in a post. Wasn't the prettiest pass in the world. You know, Deontay's left-handed, but that don't make him Tua. You know what I'm saying? But it tells you the versatility, the athleticism that we're getting into with a guy like Deontay Lawson. So it was a great night for high school football over at ACA. Congratulations to the Pats, by the way. One of the four area, 4A teams to get playoff wins on Friday night. I know Jacob Harrison talked a lot about that on his program Friday evening, but, or at least as those games were unfolding anyway. Um, Jacob, I mean, we're looking at a situation when we get to the 4A semifinals, you could have, you could have, I guess, in one AC, in one semifinal, you could have ACA Bibb County. and the other, you could have Gordo Northside. How local is that for you in 4A, Jacob? I mean, that's what, exactly what you're hoping for is a, a fan of West Alabama high school football, I, I still I still feel really confident that we're getting an ACA Gordo for uh, a state title game. Uh, Tanner Bailey is playing his best football of the season for the Green Wave right now, and ACA just looks downright unstoppable. But still, as I said, you know, heading into the night on Friday, uh, keep an eye on the Northside Rams. Uh, they're, they're coming together late for, for their coach, uh, Coach Helliker there in his final season. Yeah, there's some uh, elements in play with that Northside team, beginning with just their toughness in general. It, it's kind of been a, a staple of Coach Helliker's tenure there uh, at Northside. And it never is more evident, man, than when you start moving through the playoffs. And what a win on the road at Madison Academy for Northside on Friday night. So, yeah, I mean, we're looking at, in all likelihood at this point, a state champion for the area in Class 4A. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. By the way, if you'd like to check in, we're wide open on this Winners and Losers Monday. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty low-key weekend. did get out Friday night. I did... Uh, do some smoked chicken on the big green egg while I watched college football and, again, mostly the Masters, Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson is now a Hall of Fame golfer. You can go ahead and get the uh, bust done for Dustin Johnson and his Hall of Fame ceremony because he now has two major championships, and not only does he have two major championships now, he did it in historic fashion at a Masters unlike any we've ever seen. 
course, being contested in November instead of April. But Dustin Johnson, 20 under par. First time that's ever happened at a Masters tournament. Justin Thomas, as we told you last week, talked about Justin a lot. The extent of the Alabama contingent at Augusta National Golf Club this time around. Justin with a very solid solo fourth place finish. You know, in the last 14 months or so, Justin Thomas, in terms of just on-course golf earnings, it's come out to about $1 million per month for Justin Thomas. That's on the course. That's not the polo sponsorship. That's not the Titleist sponsorship. That's not the, I don't know if he's Bulova or Rolex or whatever, you know, the apparel, all those things, the equipment money. That's not off the course stuff off-the-course cash. That's just on-the-course earnings. Justin picked up 552000 for his work at the Masters. And, you know, in that span, he's won three times in the last 14 months. And just as impressive, if not more, he's had 12 top 10s. In the two majors since October, he's banked eight hundred fifty-five k. So, Justin Thomas, he is trending in the right direction. Had an opportunity... At about the midway point, third round wasn't what he needed it to be, not with Dustin doing kind of his Tiger 1997 impersonation. So that wasn't going to happen, I don't think, for unless Justin just played entirely lights out. It was Dustin Johnson's week. But JT is trending in a way that you like to see in terms of eventually donning the green jacket himself. In five appearances now at the Masters, Justin Thomas has steadily improved his position. He was tied for 12th in 2019. Now he's solo fourth. And when you look at DJ's trajectory in Augusta, it has been a similar path for him. So more of a matter of when, I would think right now, than if for Justin Thomas when it comes to that Masters championship that is in his future. It was a tough 12th hole, meanwhile for Tiger Woods yesterday. Not sure if you saw that. Tiger, for the first time in his professional career, recorded a double-digit score on a hole. Had a 10 on the par 3 12th. Say this for Tiger, though. After that train wreck at 10, he comes back and finishes his final round with five birdies in his final six holes, including four in a row to close out his title defense. Guy's still got some grit, and especially at a place that you get the sense Tiger can play Augusta National under par in his sleep. I mean, that's his backyard. Forget about the fact that he lives in South Florida. Forget about the fact he grew up in California. His backyard is Augusta National Golf Club. Even when he comes in off form like he did this year, he's able to A, make the cut, and then B, still be relevant, you know, in the in the weekend groups, and then to have the finish he did, it was remarkable. And as impressive as that was, it still wasn't as impressive as Bernard Langer at age 63 making the Masters cut. And not only that, Bernard finished at three under, which, speaking of Tiger, he was two shots ahead of Tiger Woods at 63 years old. He was a shot ahead of Bryson DeChambeau, the heavy pre-tournament favorite, Bryson DeChambeau. And he was also ahead of a guy like Phil Mickelson. Bernard Langer, just an absolute freak. Uh, As far as college football is concerned from over the weekend, 
it was interesting how sort of the narrative and the dynamics shifted so much with the postponements that you had around the league, not just Alabama LSU, although that was obviously the centerpiece of the weekend, but you had teams like Texas A&M and Tennessee not able to go. Obviously, Auburn and Mississippi State postponed as well. So it gave the Florida Gators an unexpected sort of bigger stage. I won't say it was a big stage, but still sitting there in that primetime spot and thinking about what that game would have attracted if Alabama LSU had come off as expected. Suddenly, you know, Florida and Arkansas is primetime, not must-see, but you're going to watch it. And the Gators made good use of it, man. Gators were impressive, putting 63 on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Kyle Trask, it's been kind of Mac Jones through the first half of the season. Kyle Trask's been really good from start to finish. But with that performance Saturday night on the heels of what he did against Georgia, Kyle Trask very much in the mix now for the Heisman Trophy, along with Mac Jones. Florida Gators offensively, even with Kyle Trask, I mean, even with Kyle Pitts out, very impressive. They still have a lot of weapons. They can plug and play with their tight ends. They got a trio of backs they feel very good about, can throw it to them. They're not going to control the game at the line of scrimmage like Alabama does with their offensive line. But they get enough out of that out of that area of their offense. And again, when you factor in the receiving yards to the backs, it takes on an entirely different look, goes to another level. But the Florida Gators, too early to look ahead at this point? I don't know. You know, we're seeing this morning Ole Miss Texas AM for the upcoming weekend, has been postponed. Where are you going to put these games? That's what we talked about last week. You know, it's just not as easy as saying, okay, well, we're going to have a bunch of postponements this weekend, but we'll just add a weekend on the 19th, and we'll make it work with the 12th. Well, you still have three more weeks before you get to the 12th and the 19th. And that creativity that you heard the SEC office allude to late last week, it's about to come into full play. Because when you look at December the 12th, you've already got teams. Texas A&M's already scheduled for December the 12th, which was supposed to be the extra weekend. A&M Tennessee is scheduled now for December the 12th. Now you got A&M and Ole Miss can't play. You were hoping to maybe have some flexibility with A&M related to LSU that could help you get the Alabama LSU game played. You know, It's it's a heck of a web that's being spun because of this COVID-19 when it comes to SEC scheduling. And as we know, South Carolina made the move following the Gamecocks' loss to Lane Kiffin in Ole Miss. Will Muschamp out five years into his tenure there in Columbia. The names are starting to surface in terms of potential candidates. Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offensive coordinator, showing up on some wish lists. If I'm Steve Sarkeesian... I don't know if that's the gig, you know? Is that that the gig? You're in a great spot at Alabama. And I think if he's patient, which I'm sure he will be, he turned down some opportunities a year ago to stay at Alabama, I think he can do better than South Carolina. That's not to say South Carolina shouldn't be a plum destination for a guy like Billy Napier at the University of Louisiana. Yeah, I can get that. But I don't think Sark, I think Sark's got a little more juice than even Napier. And I've said it a couple weeks ago. 
Why don't we talk about Sark for some NFL head jobs? I know it sounds crazy considering his last NFL job, he was relieved of those duties by the Atlanta Falcons. But, uh, you know, it seems to be working out for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury who failed up after he was fired by Texas Tech and now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Pat on a Monday morning. Pat, how you doing? Good morning, Travis. Want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what I saw over the weekend that uh, I went down to Demopolis and I watched two running backs with Faith Academy. Hey, there's an eighth grader named. His name is King. He's number three. Hey, that kid's two hundred pound, five foot ten eighth grader, and fast, fast, fast. Hey, and then to top that off, they had a, a junior. They were six foot tall, two hundred pound running back, and I thought that Demopolis Demopolis has got some big uh, defensive and all, and offensive linemen. I I couldn't when him boys when they got through those holes, they were they, they were they were making they were making hay with them. And um, had you heard anything about these two boys with Faith Academy? No, and, I, uh, I haven't heard anything. Now, I'm as guessing of yet. they're five A. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we were playing the Mompos, they're probably 5A. Yeah, if it's the playoffs, you're playing like for like yeah, in your yeah, classification. Yeah. So. And, uh, hey, but that's what I'm, hey, an eighth grader starting that was 200 pounds and fast. I'm talking this kid had to be in the 4 or 5 range. I mean, he was he was out running uh, their, their defensive backs. Of course, the Mompos defensive backs aren't meant for speed, I don't guess. But oh, but it was incredible how fast these two kids were, and mm-hmm. uh, and both of them were thick in the legs and powerful. And uh, when they when they got hit, they were still making three, four yards more, or five yards at the time, and uh, taking several kids to get them down. And then, and at number twenty three, the junior kid, they, they were times where it's taking four and five kids to get him on the ground. Yeah, I'll have to run those by uh, Hank South. See if he's yeah. uh, heard anything. They may already be in the... One's name was Bennett. The, the big kid's okay. name was Bennett. And the smaller eighth grader's name was... And, that, and that's why Hank wouldn't wouldn't know anything about the kid. I mean, he's eighth grader. Good Lord. Yeah. And, yeah usually uh, but, it... Uh... Uh, but they had... Uh, and I, I saw Selma uh, play. And Selma had a six-foot-four wide receiver that's under the radar, too. And his last name was Nelson. And then they, if you ever get if you get a chance to ask to talk to Hank, talk about it. I think his name was DJ Nelson, and okay. I believe his number was seven. I, I can't remember, gotcha. but hey, but that kid was an amazing, amazing wideout. There you go. Uh, anyway, hey, outs. y'all have a blessed day, and uh, we got to figure out how to uh, get people to uh, be more mask compliant down in Louisiana because I sure do want to put a whipping on those run bad, bad. <laughs> Boy, the Alabama fans, yeah, they are think? wanting that game to get played. All right, yeah. we appreciate that. I, I, what, for the what's, call. what's the deal on that? Though? I mean, did you, uh, you see that more I, Alabama fans we're not wanting to dodge them. No, I, I, I mean, I get it. I understand one hundred and ten percent why Alabama fans want the game to be played. We talked well, about that last week, but yeah, I, you know, I, logistically I wanna, I wanna now, strictly as because we get, of it, as we get into another week of cancel uh, postponements, which we already okay. have today. You know, the, the the unless you're just willing to go back into January with all of it, the college football playoff, these leagues, you know, playing into 
early January, late January with the playoff. I, I don't, hey, I don't know how you're going to make it all work. How much money does CBS want to lose? So, is what I'm is my question. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is the second straight game that CBS is losing with and Ole Miss I, and Texas A&M because that was the, the two thirty game. The advertising money from Alabama LSU is outstanding in the SEC. I mean, yeah, that's I why you, that's why you wrote the check you wrote. You know. Huh? That's the game, or those games like that one are the reason why CBS wrote the check or writes the check that they write. And it's why even if CBS doesn't want to write that 230 check moving forward, ESPN's more than ready to to write it. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, it's uh, a whole lot of eyeballs. People can say whether they hate LSU or don't hate LSU, but uh, to see LSU, Alabama, Oh, you know, hey, that's good football. All over the country thinks that's good football. I don't care who they are. No doubt. Right. Thanks, Pat. We'll talk to you Have again a blessed soon, day, my man. Travis. Bye-bye. You too. Take care. There he goes, Pat, checking in on a Monday. Gave us a little scouting report on Selma and Demopolis and Faith Academy. Pat out and about putting those eyes on some potential prospects. We're going to step aside for our first break on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. When we come back, more Winners and losers from the sports weekend when the show returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. This is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hooper. The Alabama volleyball team earned a home victory on Sunday, defeating the LSU Tigers in four sets at historic Foster Auditorium. Alabama was led in kills by Kennedy McElroy and Aaliyah Wells with 17 for the match, with McElroy hitting 455 and Wells at 438. Riley Fisbeck led with 48 assists, and Doris Carter led the Tide with 18 digs. Alabama wraps up the fall portion of its schedule against LSU in the second game of the series today at Foster Auditorium. First serve is set for 1 p.m. Central, and the match will be streamed live on SEC Network Plus on the ESPN app. I'll have more in a moment. Here's to the couches, the lawn chairs. That worn-in recliner imprinted by yours truly. These are your front row tickets to a very different college football season. And while you can't be at the game, C Spire brings the Crimson Tide to you with the fastest internet speeds for home and business. Because slow is only good for replays. So call dibs on that seat next to the seven-layer dip. It's football season at Seaspire. The 11-seeded Alabama women's soccer squad came up just short in the first round of the SEC tournament as the team fell by a score of 2-0 to 14th-seeded LSU Friday night at the City of Orange Beach Sportsplex. With the SEC championship run coming to an end, the Crimson Tide closed out the fall slate with a 2-5-2 overall record. The focus will shift ahead as the NCAA championship will be played in the spring of 2021 instead of the fall season. And that's your BAM Update, Crimson Tide today brought to you by Seaspire. Crimson Tide today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport. A sunny sky for West Alabama this afternoon, the high in the middle 60s around 64. Clear tonight, the low in the upper 30s at 38. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow 66, Wednesday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. 
on Southern Fried Sports. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The playlist theme today is Kentucky because we're anticipating Alabama-Kentucky here in Tuscaloosa on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock Central. SEC Network for a change for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Been ESPN or CBS to this point of the season, but it will be an SEC Network scheduled, tentatively scheduled at this point. Hell, we don't know minute to minute. You know, part of the reasons why on Mondays I've gotten to where I don't really pursue guests is because we turn into, it seems like, more often than not, a news-breaking show. You know, there's stuff happening just before we went on the air today. The SEC announces that Ole Miss and Texas A&M, set for 2.30 this Saturday on CBS, has been postponed. And as we talked about in the previous segment, now what do you start to consider if you're the SEC? You're going to have to get really creative. Do you have to even look at this weekend to start making some changes? You got the sense that the SEC wanted to get through at least the 21st. You know, get the games that were scheduled for this weekend played and then start considering options uh, beyond. Now, Alabama-Auburn, you know, if there's a game on Alabama's schedule that's going to get played between now and Atlanta, Georgia, that day, it's going to be Alabama and Auburn. You know? And you know the league definitely wants to get Alabama-LSU played. Because as we talked about last week and we just talked about with Pat, on the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. I mean, those are the matchups. Forget about the fact LSU's two and three. Those are still the matchups that attract eyeballs. People are still going to watch Alabama LSU. And that's the one that uh, your network partners write the big, that's, that's where the big checks start with those kind of matchups, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas, what you're looking at for the rest of Alabama's schedule at this point, yeah, th- those aren't as uh, those aren't pecking order games, you know. All due respect to Kentucky and Arkansas on the football field, the games that the SEC has to get played where Alabama is concerned is the Iron Bowl and then LSU. And as much as anything, you got to get that SEC championship game played. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us, we are wide open throughout the program. We've been talking some masters. Dustin Johnson. How about the emotional Dustin Johnson there in the uh, lightly attended ceremony after his win at the 2020 Masters? That was a different DJ, wasn't it? Shows you the prestige and sort of you know, the impact that that green jacket, that that championship has on folks, especially for Dustin. I mean, he grew up, what, hour and a half away? Columbia, South Carolina, before going on to Coastal Carolina in Conway. So uh, a different DJ for sure. We talked about Justin Thomas, very solid performance. How about the Eagle 3 on 15 by JT yesterday? How about that mid-iron from about 220 out? with a little baby draw on it there to four feet from the hole, makes the eagle. Justin trending in a very positive direction, continues to show signs of being just a consistent force there in the top five of the world golf rankings. 
The NFL yesterday talked a little bit about Cliff Kingsbury in comparison to Steve Sarkeesian and Sark potentially showing up on some list and has shown up for some list on this newly vacant South Carolina gig. Talk about a winner. He lost his job, but Will Muschamp, $13.2 million coming his way for that South Carolina buyout. Combine that with what he, I think, is still getting maybe from even Florida, or did get, talking about an excess of $20 million in buyout money. And Jimmy Sexton, man, you want to talk about a season that never ends? Jimmy Sexton's season, it never ends. The uh, go-to agent for so many coaches in football, especially at the collegiate level, including Nick Saban here at Alabama. But uh, what happens with Will Muschamp next? Does he become an analyst at Alabama? Is that kind of the the immediate route? You know, I don't think so with Will. I think Will probably goes back to the coordinator level. You know, the thing about a lot of these guys that go through the refurbishment process at Alabama in the analyst role, it's not just in, in, in more than a few, not in all of them, but in more than a few of the cases, there's some personal growth that needs to take place in addition to sort of trying to restore their image from just a football perspective. Will doesn't have those issues. You know, Will, by all accounts, a really good person, does a lot of good things for the communities that he's been a part of, family guy. Um, so I would expect Will Muschamp to to fall in somewhere at the coordinator level. And I know Alabama fans, they perk up when they hear that. Maybe maybe Alabama. Well, let's, uh, let's see what Pete Golding and this defense do down the stretch before we uh, go ahead and make that connection. But in the NFL yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals, how about that finish with Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins with three Buffalo Bill defenders right there. Right there, I mean, the Bills played it pretty well. You got three guys on DeAndre Hopkins, and it's not like DeAndre Hopkins is Calvin Johnson. You know, he's not 6'6". He's a hell of a receiver. He can go get it. We know that, but you've got three guys right there, including Tredavious White, one of the best corners in all of football. I was kind of glad not to see Levi Wallace in that mix there the former Alabama corner, now with the Buffalo Bills. I was I was glad he wasn't in that mix. I wish he hadn't had to sit out the game because of COVID contact tracing protocols. Levi Wallace was inactive for the Bills yesterday. But, uh, you know, Hopkins' catch was great. But what Kyler Murray did to get himself in position to make that throw was even more impressive if you go back and watch it. He had to elude a sack. Not the biggest guy in the world. He's a strong little dude, though. Elude the sack. And then moving full speed to his left. And the sideline coming up on him quick. He uncorks a perfect throw of 50 yards without stepping into the throw. And he is moving entirely to his left at full speed. And still manages to get the ball into the end zone from about the Buffalo 48. Still got it two or three yards deep. So a 50-yard throw, full speed moving to his left, and uh, DeAndre finished the deal. The NFL, though, man, they're loving these young quarterback matchups, aren't they? You had Josh Allen yesterday for the Bills going against Kyler Murray. That's good for the old TV cable. 
You had Josh, uh, you had Justin Herbert yesterday with the Chargers going against Tua and the Dolphins. Man, it bodes well for the future of the league when you're seeing these kind of matchups. And you still got some quarterbacks that have been around forever that still have some gas in the tank. Tom Brady played extremely well yesterday. Although the Bucks seem to get more back to a run-first approach and then let's go some play action off of it. After that debacle of a performance last week against the Saints, the Bucks bounced back with Tom Brady. Um, and so the young quarterbacks, too, I thought. It's interesting with Tua because Tua is, for now anyway, he is in an offense in Miami that is more along the lines of what you saw at Alabama before Tua got to Alabama. And then with Tua, it transformed entirely the offense here in Tuscaloosa. And so it was entirely different you know, with the with the teams we had seen under Gene Stallings, Paul Bear Bryant. Even in the earlier stages of the Nick Saban era, what we had seen was defense, kicking game, run the football, make throws, you know, utilize the passing game when you need to. Tua really changed all of that. And now he goes to the NFL, and he's kind of playing the Alabama way with the Dolphins right now. Take care of the football. You know, make the throws when we need you to make them. Manage the game. And this defense for Miami is outstanding. Special teams produces points. Not just field goals either. I'm talking about either scores, touchdowns, or sets up the offense in a really good place. Same for the defense, produces takeaways, and understands how to score with them when they do. So it's kind of a retro approach for Tua now that he's in the NFL, but the bottom line is Dolphins are 3-0 and with number one behind center. And uh, very much in the mix there now in the AFC East with Kyler Murray's, what are they calling it, the Hale Murray now? The touchdown pass yesterday, the Hopkins. That was that was very nice for the Dolphins because it keeps Miami right there with the Bills in the AFC East. And uh, pretty cool moment after the game yesterday with Tua. You probably saw that. Damian Square, the former Alabama defensive lineman, longtime Chargers defensive lineman. <laughs> Damian Square comes up to Tua right after the game, and Damian has got like a bag with a Tua jersey in it, and he's already got the Sharpie ready to go and everything. He was ready to get Tua to sign that Tua jersey after the game yesterday. That was pretty cool. Kind of reminded me of the old days over at the Malmore Complex. You know, 10, 15 years ago, you would have the memorabilia hounds hanging out over there off Bryant Drive, waiting on players to come out of the facility and you'd see the memorabilia hounds. They'd have bags of stuff. You know, these weren't just fans. These were folks going on the eBay and online and selling this stuff. You know, waiting on Brody Crowell to come out, to go to his truck. And Brody was such a nice guy. He'd sign like 10 helmets, three jerseys, you know, four Daniel Moore prints. <laughs> That's what Damian Square kind of looked like. Damian Square, like he showed up to one of those males, one of those mall signings, you know. With his, uh, with his jersey that he could get signed. It was still pretty cool, though. Neat to see. We're going to head to another break. When we come back, more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. 
You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. on fire, baby, you can turn into center and smoke, cause house is mighty cold and I feel like melting off the snow away. Speaking of winners and losers from the sports weekend, Mixed bag where some picks from Rusty and Pops were concerned over the weekend. Rusty took the bagel for the first time this season. Yeah, that's right, Rusty. Jacob, ration the twi- uh, treats this week. No sausages for sure. That's his favorite. Maybe a half pepperoni. Instead of the full stick he usually gets. Not a lot of love for Rusty after that 0-3. You know, Rusty, he lost, in in fairness to him, who knows, but the UCLA-Utah game, he liked UCLA getting three and a half at home against Utah. Well, that game was postponed, canceled, really, when we talk about the Pac-12, due to COVID. UCLA, last minute, adds Cal to play yesterday at the Rose Bowl on a Sunday. UCLA got the win over Cal, but uh, Rusty's pick of UCLA and Utah didn't come off because the Utes couldn't make the trip. Couldn't make the trip to the L.A. area. And then, yeah, Rusty, you really loved Wazoo getting those 10, 10 and a half, whatever that was, with Oregon. Looked pretty good early. And then Mario Cristobal and the Ducks came back and covered that number on the road. You got hooked, Rusty, in B.C. Notre Dame. That was a tough one because the line was 13 and a half, and the Irish end up winning by 14. So a Rusty hook got Rusty in Chestnut Hill as Notre Dame covers the 13 and a half. And then just the worst pick probably of the season has to be in retrospect. Michigan getting the four and a half at home against Wisconsin, the Wolverines just get absolutely blown out of their own building. And we talk about Will Muschamp, but how much longer can this thing go with Jim Harbaugh up in Ann Arbor? I think Michigan has traditionally been more along the lines of even if they know they're going to make a change, they let the season finish before going that route. And maybe they're not going to make a change even with all this. Hard to imagine Michigan going forward with Jim Harbaugh. I think you're going to see, though, Penn State, another loss for James Franklin. I think you're going to see some programs certainly go to the COVID card in these disappointing seasons and go, look, you know, it was just such a, it was such a unique circumstance, you know, that we're not really going to put as much weight into it or panic 
as a result of a disappointing season. South Carolina wasn't going that route. I think South Carolina did the math on, okay, yeah, we're going to owe Will Muschamp in excess of $13 million if we do this. And then when you talk about his staff, you know that number's going to grow a good bit. But what's the math going to look like if we don't do it? And we're already dealing with the after effects of the COVID-19 situation. It, it, hopefully we're talking in terms of after effects for next season. Who knows? So, you know, it, it's going to be harder than ever to get people to come to the ballpark. And you do the economics on it. I don't know if, you law, if, if you're thinking you're going to lose money by going the buyout route with Will Muschamp or make money. When you start trying to sell tickets for 2021 and beyond, as far as this week in the Southeastern Conference, you do have some, have a couple of road dogs, road favorites, excuse me, a couple of home dogs. Um, but now we know Texas A&M and Ole Miss isn't going to happen on Saturday. A&M was a 12-point pick. That line actually opened at nine, and even with the COVID situation there, in College Station, it had already moved to Texas A&M, laying 12. And so we can take that one off the board. Florida, a 31-point favorite at Vanderbilt Saturday morning. That's 11 a.m. on ESPN. Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over LSU. That's another 11 a.m. game on the SEC Network. Alabama opened as a 31-point favorite over Kentucky for Saturday afternoon here in Tuscaloosa. Crimson Tide currently a 30-point favorite over the Wildcats. Tennessee and Auburn down on the Plains. Auburn, 10.5-point favorite. That's a 6 o'clock kickoff, ESPN. That must be McDonough, Blackledge, and McShay on the call. Mississippi State at Georgia, one of two 6.30 games on Saturday night in the league. Georgia, a 24-point favorite over the Bulldogs. Bulldogs, of course, been dealing with COVID issues of their own. And then Mizzou on the road at South Carolina. Mike Bobo, your interim head coach for the Gamecocks. Former Georgia quarterback, Georgia offensive coordinator, Colorado State head coach. First-year offensive coordinator at South Carolina. He's going to ride it out as the interim coach. Missouri, a six-point favorite on the road. That's 6.30 Central on the SEC Network. Going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A sunny sky for West Alabama this afternoon. The high in the middle 60s, around 64. Clear tonight, the low in the upper 30s at 38. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 66. Wednesday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Did you think? 
have a Kentucky and not have the first lady of country music, Miss Loretta Lynn, involved? We're absolutely going to close the show with Miss Lynn. Butcher Holler, Kentucky. Great movie, by the way, if you've never seen it. Coal Miner's Daughter, obviously, if you're my age, you've seen it. But maybe the younger folks like Jacob, Joe Gaither, the rest of the crowd, they need to check it out. LaVon Helm, the late, great LaVon Helm, playing the role of Loretta's father in Coal Miner's Daughter. Yes. I think I've just about talked myself into another screening of that great flick. Sissy Spacek knocked it out of the park, man. Tommy Lee Jones is Doolittle Lynn. He was great. Great movie. Let's see if that one's on Netflix somewhere. Do a little search on Coal Miner's Daughter. I did check out, I don't know, I'm not big on the stream and stuff, okay? You know, the, the ladies in my house, the chocolate lady, the daughters, uh, the, the oldest, our son Evan, they love the Netflix. They're always on the Netflix. I don't Netflix as much as everyone else around the the Ryer family. But I did screen uh, The Queen's Gambit. It's a Netflix original. It's a series. It's like seven episodes. It's set in the 50s into the 60s. Uh, centers on an, an orphan who turns out to be a, a chess-playing prodigy. Beth Harden is the character's name. Outstanding. I would recommend that. The Queen's Gambit on Netflix if you're looking for something of the streaming variety. Some other things from over the sports weekend we wanted to get into before we get out of here. By the way, we talked about winners and losers with picks. Well, Pops, we got to give it to him. He was the polar opposite of Rusty. Okay, Pops was a perfect 3-0. and <clears throat> He went with DJ over JT when they were tied there on Friday at 8-under. We asked Pops real time. To make a pick there. He went with DJ. That was the correct call. He also liked Iowa over Minnesota on Friday night. He hit that one. And then, of course, he was on the right side of that Wisconsin-Michigan dumpster fire. He had the badges on the road. So uh, we got, we've got got to acknowledge Pops with his picks. 3-0 and over the weekend. Uh, his Jags did lose yesterday up in Green Bay. But it was... It was a good loss. If you're a team that is vying for one of those top draft choices for 2021, that's the way you like to see your team lose yesterday. They kept you engaged. You know, that game was closer than anybody expected it to be. Jags actually led there in the fourth quarter up at Lambeau Field. And uh, before losing to uh, Aaron Rodgers in the pack. So the Jags kept it competitive, kept it semi-entertaining, and at the same time, kept their their draft status alive. Thoughts on Jake Luton for the twenty twenty one? He's okay. You know, I think he's a guy that you know probably even more so than Minshew. You can consider developing him for the future as more of a two or a three guy. I think for what he's been thrust into, Jacob, he hasn't been bad. You know, six round pick as a rookie. Um. Probably helped him yesterday that there was no one at Lambeau Field, no crowd. That has to help on the road with these young quarterbacks. But I like him, I think, as a developmental guy. I think if the Jags are in that top two or three range, though, they've got to go quarterback. You know, and you've got 
probably Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields sitting there, they've got to go quarterback. I don't think they have a choice coming up. He seems like a good good backup in right. a similar system with Trevor Lawrence, whereas if you have Justin Fields, you might want to stick with Minshew. The, the, you know, they, they both seem to parallel those kind of players, depending on where they yeah, fall. Yeah, I can see it. I, you know, I just think I, I love Gardner Minshew, but it, it, it's pretty obvious the, the, the ceiling – you know, came up came up pretty quick for him. Now, you know, yeah, systematically, I, I think what you're seeing from Fields more this year, though, is if you do want him to stand in the pocket and make some throws, he can do that too. But there's no doubt, um, you know, his complete skill set is is very attractive. I think Trevor Lawrence brings some of that too. I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are actually closer in terms of how they play than maybe some people think. You know, Trevor's a hell of an athlete. You know, you still remember the run against Ohio State in the semifinals last year of the college football playoff. He left. He left those defensive backs for Ohio State. And uh, I've been encouraged by what I've seen of fields in a very small sample size this year in terms of, you know, becoming more complete as a passer. The Jags would be absolutely fine with either of those guys, is what I guess I'm saying. We also saw this morning where – the NCAA tournament, the NCAA is strongly considering bubbleizing the NCAA tournament, uh, perhaps conducting the entire event in the state of Indiana, or at least in the Indianapolis area. That makes plenty of sense. You want to talk about the roots of the sport. You've got the nostalgia, the sentiment, sentimentalism there, and they're equipped in a way in which they should be able to facilitate that. you got Lucas Oil Field that you can certainly – conducted in you probably won't need it because uh you're probably not going to have much of a crowd even in march at these games but you could have multiple games that you could conduct at lucas oil field got the pacers arena you got butler university nearby not too far away from iu yeah i think the bigger question with the ncaa tournament is will it actually take place in march and instead of perhaps April or May. Is that thing going to get pushed back as well? Also wanted to note Saturday was was uh, impactful from the standpoint it was the 50th anniversary of the Marshall football plane crash that claimed 75 members of the Thundering Herd football program. Marshall was able to get a win over Middle Tennessee and Charleston on Saturday. Game day on ESPN caught some heat. A lot of folks felt like the show should have originated from Marshall. Instead of Augusta National Golf Club, but decisions were made otherwise. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports Lunch Whistle today. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Outstanding lunch, outstanding dinner, beer specials, craft brews, bar service, you name it. Great, great stuff there at Southern Ale House. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. 